Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And you join us on a uh, on a live conference call chat thing, and we have two wonderful guests with us, Tim Clegg and Danny Stack. Uh, hello, Tim and Danny. Hello. Hello. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started writing and directing? I know that you sort of veer more towards writing and, and another veers more towards directing, but... Um, uh, Danny, why don't you tell us uh, about who you are and how you got started and how you got how you kept going? Okay, well, I'm a, a writer primarily for animation these days, uh, and I do live action stuff with Tim. Um, I started off working in Channel 4's comedy department way back in the late 1990s, but then I went freelance around 2000, pursuing the freelance writer route. Hmm. And after after a few years of doing various things, like a, my first commission was in Doctors, the daytime TV show. And I did a couple of episodes of EastEnders as well. But then I was more and more drawn towards the kids and family kind of genre yeah. and started to get good at that and, and really, really enjoyed it. So um, around 2010, I think, I hooked up with Tim initially to do the UK Scriptwriters podcast. Uh, and then that kind of segued into doing proper work together, mm -hmm. uh, leading to our debut feature film, which was Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg in 2015. And then we've done another feature film since, and just recently, a live action preschool dog show, as you do. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's me and a little bit of Tim. That's great. Thank you. Um, Tim, how did you, what were you doing before your life was turned upside down by meeting Danny? Yes, uh, if I can just remember back to those old days. Yeah. It was, uh, well, my writing life was um, slightly different to, to Danny's. I, I came at it all in a slightly different way because I've been more in the, working in the low-budget film, commercials, corporate world. So my first kind of uh, success as being a writer was in, in short films. And um, one of my early short films, I was lucky enough to get a BAFTA nomination as a writer on. And so I had a back to front, slightly back to front career uh, in the fact of I had that early sort of uh, success. But um, at that point, I was still very green. You know, I wasn't really um, a very uh, competent writer in terms of my craft still. I was kind of lucking it through. <laughs> And um, and also my industry connections, I, I didn't really have any of those. So I kind of peaked early and uh, then I didn't have a chance initially to take advantage of that early uh, success. So I kind of then moved a little bit more, as you mentioned in your introduction, James, I moved a little bit more into the, uh, into the directing where I could get some actual paid work. And to me, because I was working in those days in the local college as a kind of video technician. Mm -hmm. To me, it was important just, just to be <coughs> creative. Yeah. So I wanted to do creative work and be paid as a creative person. And so the easiest way for me to get into that was more to explore the directing side. So although I've had that early love of writing, which I now obviously can do a little bit more of, which is great, there's a period of time where I was probably more kind of 90% directing and only 10% writing at that point. Yeah. So a bit of a strange, more roundabout yeah. route to it. 
But then, as Danny said, we ended up coming together anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and actually, um, meeting Danny was was um, quite quite a, an important uh, thing in my life, really, because in fact, when I first came across you, Danny, you were uh, you were reading scripts, weren't you, for like Working Title and companies like that, and you were you were blogging about writing, and uh, which which um, you know, like um, that that I'm I sound surprised now, but when you were doing it, there were there were very few people doing it, really, were there? You were a, a, a sort of a pioneer there. How did that how how did that um, come about well i was um doing what every writer does i was procrastinating and i was just spending a lot of time online and i was reading a lot of writers blogs that were hollywood based or more focused on the american side of things and i couldn't really find uh uk centric blogs about it i think james henry had one. Oh yeah uh, blue cat something wasn't it or blue that's right yeah. yeah and maybe that's when i first came across james moore and james moran uh, and so because I was doing a lot of script readers and my life was just 100% screenplays from morning till night, I just had to kind of talk about what I was doing and what I was learning and, and just get it off my chest, really, um, in terms of, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed by it as well, so I just wanted to talk about it. And I thought that blogging, and I, I do miss those days because they were just really nice, constructive days where you could write a 300 or 500 word blog post and nice people would re reply to them and make comments. And it was a great way of networking, as you know, Dave, because I got to meet you and I got to meet so many others. And even things like the Red Planet Prize came about because of it, really. Yeah. Um, Do you still read um, many spec scripts or scripts like that? I mean, and I'd be interested to know, so, you know, we've read a lot of half-hour scripts. We did a competition recently. Are you, if you're reading scripts, are you, are you, what sort of mistakes are you seeing people make? Um, and how are they different now to how they were maybe 10 or 15 years ago? I think uh, the writing has improved generally and um, formatting and the way people write has improved. It's kind of got sharper in terms of being easier to read and easier to understand. Yeah. I think the, the classic uh, things that crop up now are more to do with sharper storytelling um and if the story is really working or if the writer hasn't fully conveyed um all the information or clarity that the reader needs to fully understand what's going on all of those things it's i think nowadays it's easy to create nice shorthands for things when you're writing so it sounds cool and it makes it an easy read but really from a storytelling point of view it's it's not doing you any favors um, or it's not coming together as, as well as you think. So yeah. I think, I think if, uh, and people, but people's storytelling is generally improving. I think from a spec, I'm, I'm not saying this from a, a guru point of view. I'm saying this from just a reading spec scripts point of view. Yeah. Um, there people are either writing what they see in terms of what they're watching. So they're emulating that. Um, and that's okay, but it doesn't really stand out or it can be a bit uh, mixed bag. But the things that win competitions or really stand out, they've got something original and bold and distinctive and the storytelling is really compelling and it really made you pay attention and it was clear and it was enjoyable, all those things. And those, that skill takes time to hone, I think, yeah. from which you know, myself and Tim are constantly battling as well, even now. 
Oh yeah, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. You know, um, uh, in some ways, I think one of the things that's made me a better writer over the last ten years, as Danny said, from two thousand and ten onwards, when we were kind of been working together, has been that working together in the fact that uh, you got two minds looking at a problem all the time. And so maybe when I was writing on my own solo, I would spend a little bit of time down cul-de-sacs and various avenues and um, dead ends. And it would take me a little while to realize that and, and sort of backtrack. Uh, the good thing about co-writing is that you've got that constant back and forth and almost just trying to describe something to, to Danny. Like, oh, Danny, what if this character did whatever? Just the fact of I have to articulate it. And midway through the articulation, I realise it's it's rubbish. I'm just like, I can't even describe it to Danny. What what hope do we have of getting this down in either a way for a reader to understand or even then for the audience to understand? You know you were down a dead end already. And so uh, I, I, I feel like that's really uh, helped me become a better writer is to have that to and fro and to, to to just have someone to kick around those ideas with. Uh, it makes it maybe not better, but it makes it quicker. Let's just say that because yeah. you're saving time all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the other things, uh, the, the, as well as the, um, the, the blogging um, side of things, which, which was, uh, as, as you say, there was very little blogging about British uh, writing and and so you started that but also uh, the other aspect of your work which continues to be how the two of you work now is the sort of the DIY side of things which again when you started doing that and you were making Danny I know you were making films but um, you uh, it, it was it was a relatively new thing and it was certainly pre uh, YouTube or broadband and things so it was you know it wasn't yeah. it, it was it was quite a kind of cumbersome thing but I, i'm interested to know because you are you're obviously you're still making movies uh and i i imagine that you're making them in the same way we nutmeg was uh, uh financed i remember by you know uh crowd crowdfunding um are you still very much kind of with your writing and your creating are you still in that sort of diy world well to me um it was it's always been the way that I do it. That's the thing because um, because I've always been more sort of sort of phrased myself as writer director. To me, I'm often writing things knowing that I'm going to film them, and so I have a bit of a catchphrase in the fact of you know we want to make movies and people want to watch them, and the bit in between is just boring business. It's the bit that changes. So YouTube, whatever it is, festivals. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be a way that we're going to be able to share content. And that change, that does change. And it's been a big time of change for that and will continue to be. But in a way, it doesn't matter because we're just talking about good storytelling. That's what we're interested in. And uh, so, yeah, always been interested in the, in the, in the filmmaking. Um, the Nelson that make it right was crowdfunded. This new one, future TX is, is, a step up from that in the fact we're working 
um, with an outside producer called Lyndon, who's based in um, Pinewood, and uh, he's made uh, quite a few low-budget movies, and he's uh, executive producer on Future TX. So uh, it's like a small step up. Um, so uh, one that we've got writing at the minute, the third third feature that we that we want to do is then a step up from that again. So to us, it's about slowly moving um, forward. But very much, I mean, very much of that kind of yeah, let's let's make it, let's make it. We're very uh, proactive in that way. We want to make stuff. We want to get it out there. You know, it's a it's a cliche, but the problem with a script is is that it's 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 nothing. You know, it's like a, a script is just something on the way to that finished product, and and we're always keen to get things in front of an audience in whatever way that we we can, which could be teaming up with others, it could be making it ourselves, it could be selling the script you know it could be working with somebody else but at least it's getting yeah. getting out there that's the key yeah. and so in that and that's what i really i've always really liked and admired and been inspired by how you guys go about things is that you is that you have that end point in mind of people actually watching it how would you how do you how do you get there then i mean you've got a you've got a, a you know commercial and directing uh expertise and background too but how do you go from making stuff on literally zero budget for YouTube or making a zero budget podcast or putting on a fringe show, which is very much not zero budget, but sort of feels like it is. Um, how do you go from there to the next step up or step beyond that? I guess there's the crowdfunding model from your friends and uh, we've got one or two members who've, who've sort of done a bit of that. But, but you know, you guys go around like MIP, don't you? Or you guys go around... Uh, mm. conferences and you actually you know you're down in Cannes as well aren't you yeah I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah what wh wh why why are you going to places like that and and what uh, and can some of our patreon members for example how do, some of our listeners how what what would take them to to Cannes what you know what business have you there it's not for the likes no, of no, us no, is no, it? yeah no one's got any right to be there <laughs> we shouldn't be there we don't care we're yeah. going anyway, James. Yeah. It, it, you know, we have a bit of it in our books. Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about this. It's like kind of one of the things that we really hammer on about is that the fact that there's not like a permission, you know, yeah. and that's what we love about writing. You can just start writing. You know, it doesn't really cost anything. You can use very, very cheap equipment. You know, it's, you don't need specialists, really anything. You know, if you really push the boat out, you could get, you know, a full new copy of Final Draft. But compared to other hobbies or any other work in the uh, cost of work, you know, that's very, very low mm. entry point. So you don't really need, you don't need permission to be a writer. You don't need, so you don't need permission to, to do anything, really. You just you just kind of do it. And you, 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 you go around and you tell people you're a writer and what you've written and, and how great it is. And uh, what you want to wow, write Wow, are next. you British? <laughs> well, this is what we've had to learn. We've had to learn to overcome yeah. our reticence, which we still find ourselves falling into every now and again. We have to give ourselves a little word to be like, Danny, now we've got to big this up a little bit. You know, let's not be all sh shy about it. But, you know, yeah, we kind of go around, tell everyone how great we, how great we are, and that we want to make more movies and that, that, that we should do it together. And then eventually someone says yes. Danny and I, uh, in fact, I think we probably met through uh, Raindance, uh, which is uh, the, the uh, independent filmmaking company. And um, they, um, 
we learned from them two very important things. First of all, and I noticed, Danny, I was checking your website earlier. Um, Elliot Grove, who runs uh, Raindance, he says, if you're a director, always be pointing in your photograph. <laughs> You look at any picture, any director in any movie, they're always pointing. Yeah. And then the other thing to say, and this is brilliant for English writers, uh, and this is, uh, this is a guy called Dov Simmons who came and did this sort of three-day course telling you how to make your movies. Fantastic course. Uh, and he said, anyone says to you, when you say, all right, what do you do? You say, I'm a writer. And uh, the next question is, oh, what have you written? And the answer is, I have numerous projects in various stages of development development and um so that is what you okay, have to remember say. that everyone repeat after yeah. me <laughs> i have i have numerous, numerous projects in various states of de- stages of development is that right yeah. It's right. And it, I cannot tell you the difference it made to me from being the sort of massively shy, underconfident, reticent English person to the first time I said it, I was waiting for the person to, to laugh mockingly when I'd said it. And they didn't. They were impressed. It was like a sort of, it was like a revelation to me, really. So be more American, would you say? Is that your uh, part, part of your advice? I don't know if it's about be more American, Dave, but I think what it, what, it is a little bit is um i think we worry as writers maybe a little bit more about our reputation than anyone else does so um you know you you might you might be reticent to say what you've done what you have it oh you know i've i've just had a couple of short films made you know i've written a couple of short films that got made something like that and do you think that's going to be ridiculed or no one's going to care or whatever? But in a way, people, they're not that interested in you. You know, they just, you know, there's not going to be a, a big quiz given about, oh, yeah, what was the budget on that? What was the thing? It's going to go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, well done. You know, and, and uh, but we can sort of have this sort of paranoia that we're going to be quizzed about our success and where we are. Like chance would be a fine thing that anyone will care. You know, one of the one of the my favourite um, uh, quotes, but I can't remember who said it. It's one of those classic quotes, you know, um, is that don't worry about um, someone stealing your good idea. If you have a good idea, you'll have to ram it down people's throats. <laughs> and I think, I think that that's sort of where we are with 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 being writers. Is that you know we know we've got some good ideas. We've got to get out there, really. We've really got to go out there and ram it down people's throats. And there, and there, and and uh, anything that you've done is 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 great. Anything that's been made is is great. YouTube things. There's so many ways that things can be made now. You can go beyond what Dov's saying and and Dave's told us about. Like in terms of stages of pre-production, you can move something into being completed with with sort of immediate colleagues around you, filmmaking colleagues around you you don't have to be into it you know you don't have to direct yourself i'm not saying that but there's so many ways to connect up with filmmakers now that you can move something from being in development to being finished uh, in a no budget way uh, yeah. you know student filmmakers and so on and and then when you're going around you say well i've had a couple of things made and my next idea is about and you you know you're really starting to have a, a career then you know and something to talk about and be proud about the way I see it, it's a very clear narrative path for us. You know, we met in 2006. I just moved to Bournemouth. Tim had a blog. That's how I knew he was. Uh, he lived in Bournemouth. And we um, we met and we were both going to Cannes 
that year, Tim had been before. Oh. It was my first time in Cannes. And what were you doing there? What was what was I doing there? What, what was what was your plan? What was your plan <laughs> for Cannes? Can. It's like James's question. Then it can comes up. It's like, what were you doing there? Why were you there? The we, did they I, let you into France? The reason I say <laughs> that is because it's a three slash four figure outlay, isn't it? It's not a cheap place to stay. You have to mm. buy tickets to stuff. It's several hundred quid. So you've got to have a reason to go and you have to be trying to get something yeah. out of it. So what I would so, you know, I, 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 I hear the critique, but what what was your reason particular for, for going that you thought this uh, would help my career? Uh, yeah, I wanted to network with the um, world's film industry because they're all there. And I knew it allowed you to contact and network with them. Uh, so I figured it was worth a go. I probably read a few reports on writers being there before and thought I'd give it a go. Tim, uh, when I met him, he had been a few times before with his friend Suki, so they held my hand while I was there. And I still really didn't know them that well, but um, I always thought that what they did was very gracious and generous. and I, I was really appreciative of, of it. And I was just running around trying to meet the people that I had arranged to meet previously because you get access to a database and contacts. And then I was just trying to pitch people my various projects um, or me as a writer to get work because I was a full-time freelance writer at that stage. And, you know, it's a constant hustle and stress and uncertainty of, of work. So I thought going to Cannes might expand my um, opportunities to get some work. And I did. I did manage to get some work from it. So it was worthwhile. But I think why myself and Tim, I mean, that was just when we, myself and Tim became friends. And I realized that we had the kind of like-minded uh, approach to things in terms of our energy and commitment to networking and to being proactive and to sharing uh, good information about our own experiences. So by the time the podcast came about, it was... Um, that was just a natural consequence of what we were doing online. And then um, Tim had the brainwave then to make Who, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg as a, as a collaboration, Coen Brothers style. But again, we, we looked at it from a completely practical point of view. We didn't um, expect an industry handout. We didn't expect um, a magic one million budget for our first type of film. We just said, let's... What can we do ourselves? Yeah. What was the budget for Nelson Nutmeg? It was like micro budget of, a, you know, around 50 grand in the end, I think okay. it was. I mean, that's, yeah. that's but, in film terms, that's that's peanuts. In personal terms, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. I guess that's why it's it's kind of hard for us to get our heads around this leap from one person on the camera doing a YouTube video to, you know, the next phase on where you had a crew. I mean, I came down, I visited and it, you know, you had a crew, you had, it was all going on. It looked like it was just a regular movie set in, in many ways. Um, yeah. But we're, built, we're building up to that, James, mm. you know, that's the thing we're building up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what we, we looked at that practically and we said, well, let's pool our resources. Let's, let's give the production immediately five grand each kind of thing in terms of what we could afford. And then we would uh, crowdfund the rest, but that wasn't the total 50 grand. Hmm. That was just enough to get us filming. And, um, but once you're doing something, and once you're proactive about something, uh, it attracts attention and, and it attracts interest. So that, that's how we were able to get the remaining funds then. 
to finish it, which was vital in the end because we had completely ran out of resources at that point. Um, but that's been a knock-on effect for everything else we've done. Because we've done Nutmeg and it did well, um, we were able to do Future TX uh, for a bigger budget, but still look mi micro-budget in film terms. Uh, but with a budget that we didn't pay for, which is great. I uh, remember from a lot of these kind of low-budget uh, ideas and things uh, that um, you know the part of the problem is there's a, there's all that energy that goes into the making of the movie, and then uh, and a lot of people use all the energy and all the money, and they make the movie, and they've got a, they've got a movie, um, but then. The, the impetus has gone and that was kind of what I learned through uh, Rain Dance was to kind of be able to see beyond just making it. What what sort of advice would you give to our uh, members and people who have got that, I've got some ideas for sketches or radio or something, uh, how, what, what would be the best, most practical way to go about uh, making it? I think I think you you're right, absolutely right, Dave, in what you say about that energy or a lull at the end. And I think, as I said before about the script being just a route to the movie, I think it's having that end goal and being clear and honest about what that end goal is, because if and and then that helps you answer all the other questions that you might have along the way. So we were, we made Nelson Nutmeg. We knew it wasn't going to be a movie that would be on the cinema. Now, we did do a small cinema screenings ourselves, but that's kind of different thing. That's a small-scale thing. We knew it wasn't going to be a cinema movie. Um, we knew it wouldn't really be a broadcast thing because we weren't going through all the loopholes along the way, getting everything signed off in terms of, you know, would it be a suitable for children's BBC and that kind of thing. We would keep in touch with them about it, but we knew it really wouldn't be for, for them. So we knew it was going to be a movie that children would watch as a streaming thing, um, which was kind of taken off then, five years ago we're talking about. We knew it was taken off then. We knew it was not, there was opportunities for us there. And so we were realistic about that output. So everything we did was aimed at well, what do we need to do for that kind of movie? Who's the right kind of companies that we should be speaking to about it, therefore? Um, and we would we we'd have that end goal in mind. Now, that was our goal. But other people, they might be saying, right, um, actually, I'm just going to do some comedy sketches for, you know, online. So in which case, what else has done well online? What's the parameters of that? you know, you've got to grab people's attention in two seconds at the start. So what's your first two second shot going to be? You know, it's, it's just having the end goal in mind yeah. and then that answers and, yeah. the rest of the things. And even then it's probably worth setting yourself because because I, I have the problem where I'm interested in the idea, the creative process, and I want to satisfy my curiosity as to whether I can make it work or not. And if mm. I feel that I have, I'm now bored of it and I want to do something else. So I'm not, I, 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 you know, I've written lots of things that I should probably do more with and I haven't because I'm like, well, yeah, that kind of worked. Um, oh, there's this new other thing over here. That's more interesting. Mm. So in the first instance, A, it may be worth trying to team up with someone who isn't a writer, who is more of a completer finisher and promoter. Um, so you might be worth having a think about who that could be. But B, even if you're just doing it on your own, it's worth thinking, not just how do I film a sketch and get it on YouTube? It could just be as simple as, 
I want to get a thousand views on YouTube for my sketch. How am I going to get it? Rather than how am I going to get it written, produced and put up there? That's fine, but that's only two thirds of it. Just make push yourself a bit extra further and say a thousand views is my is my target. Um, and that's harder to get than it sounds like. Yeah, I think you, you, you've touched on to something else there that I wanted to even when you first talked about mm. this, James, it was like something I thought I must always talk about this, which is reaching out to people in the business. Yeah, because we didn't know anyone, me and Danny, in the distribution side. Obviously, we knew people from producing side, as Danny mentioned in his intro, he had um, experience in uh, Channel 4 and so on. So we knew sort of producer-type people, and we knew lots of writers. We didn't know anyone in the distribution side. But, of course, that's why we were going to Cannes and those kind of things, is because we wanted to know more of those type of people. But we didn't know anyone, really. So we were, we were, just, we were just sitting there, look, you know, searching around, getting onto these databases, as Danny said, but then Googling around and just trying to find people and emailing them and go, look, we're making a movie, it's a kid's movie, uh, PG rated, low micro budget, it's got Ginny Weasley in it, you know, do you want to check it out when it's finished? And some people would say no, <laughs> and some people would not reply, and we'd send them again and we'd hassle them a little bit and then we'd give up and then people would say yes i do want to see that but i think that that can apply to your writing as well uh, I, I think it's important to put your networking and you're reaching out to people in your in your every day yeah you know could be doing a little bit i try and do a little bit of that every day email yeah. someone either i know or that i've never met i don't know them and just saying you know what what are you up to what are you looking for and uh, it's always it's always the right day to reach out to people. Doesn't matter if you've not got anything new because your stuff that you did six months ago is new to them. They yeah. haven't seen it. And it's always every day should be a day to do a little bit of networking. Hello, James here. Hope you're enjoying this interview, which we recorded in a Zoom along with members of our Patreon scheme as well, who who listened in and asked questions at the end, which we're not going to have uh, on this particular recording that we're putting out. But do join us on Patreon. For only a few dollars a month, you can get involved, get access to loads of extra audio and video and be part of a community. We've got a private uh, Facebook group as well where we chat about scripts and uh, related issues and giving out advice on the script competitions as they come up. So it would be great to see you on that. If you Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon, uh, you'll you'll find us as well. And also, you might want to look into the BCG Pro uh, option as well because they have a um, uh, lots of extra content behind a paywall. And if you quote Sitcom Geeks when you enter, I think capital S, capital G, then you can get five pounds off your membership. So that's worth having. And uh, we're going to go back to the interview now. Quite interested to uh, think about, you know, we were talking about um, the, the, the future and the challenges and obviously the last few weeks have kind of turned everything upside down and uh, I'd be curious to know, uh, you know, obviously nobody has any ideas but we sort of think about how, you know, kind of everything is, is going to change in the next year or so but I, I wondered what, uh, how you think uh, the future will be, especially for people 
you know, at the at the end uh, at the starting out end, how how do you think it's going to be for them in the next year or two years? Uh, it's a good time for writing now, you know, because we've got got much else to, to be doing. We've run but out of my, excuses. Yeah, we've run out of excuses. I mean, myself and Danny are working on a, a new project, as I mentioned before, and um, we're enjoying getting into that and exploring that. And we also have some. Both of us have a, um, uh, we've sort of decided to split up a little bit to explore two young adult ideas, one each. Um, so, you know, it's good to get back into that and there's lots of time for that. Business-wise, a lot of people are reading stuff at the minute. So it is a good time for networking and reaching out because those people have got time to read scripts and to reply to emails that they don't do. Uh, Danny will tell you in a minute, I'm sure, but he's had a lot of success recently with getting notes back from people that we couldn't get notes back from before. Um, but what, but then moving beyond that, well, that keep people busy for a few months, <laughs> writing and reaching out to people. But then when it moves into production is more of an unknown time. There's a backlog of stuff, of course, at the minute. Um, so I think it's a good time as well to be working on lower budget things because those can be picked up quick and move a bit quicker. The big budget uh, things are a, a half shot. So you've got stuff half shot needs finishing off. You know, you've got all those things and all the things that were going to come behind that. But the lower budget things can all happen in parallel and just for boring business reasons. But I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you guys anyway, but the larger things are going to struggle to get insurance probably because the insurance won't want to cover a re-breakout of any type of virus. Um, so you've got a choice as producers whether to start filming without the necessary insurance and actors won't want to come to the set without all the insurance. So then the, you won't be able to raise any money because you haven't got insurance. So lower budget, you can sneak under the radar with that kind of stuff because the numbers are smaller. So it's a good time to work on scripts that are sensible budgeted productions that could be that could be filmed once things are you know moving again mm -hmm. it's a good time it's a good time there's going to be that con there's a demand there'll be a massive demand for content as quick as possible once things can be started to be filmed the challenges yeah. for uh new writers especially or for, for anybody in the business right now in film and tv is they're always going to be the same i think um what the landscape looks like and how it's phrased will always kind of be kind of tossed around and maybe a little bit different like post coronavirus and production kind of challenges and the reliance on maybe more familiar writers rather than new writers. My key thing ever since I've started being freelance is to always say to myself, take responsibility only for myself. So even when I get rejected for something or if things aren't working out, it's like instead of blaming social media or instead of blaming the biz or instead of kind of blaming everybody but myself, it's like, what can I do to either improve my chances or what can I do to make my work um, get better received? So, you know, to use a kind of popular phrase at the moment, instead of the herd mentality that you might see uh, people following on social media or um, everybody doing TikTok videos and, and sketches and stuff. It's just like there's there's a kind of a desire to always emulate that, but it's just like, well, what can I do to 
um, best showcase what you know my best talents basically and and focus on that as much as possible and all of those challenges of finding new contacts and finding new producers and finding work they're always going to be the same I think um, yeah. do you want to just say a bit about um, you guys have got a couple of books um, available via Amazon um, do you want to just mention what they're about yeah, we've got, uh, I'll do one and then Danny does the other, I suppose. We'll do it that way. It's, uh, we've got two books out. One is the UK Scriptwriter's Survival Handbook, um, which isn't about surviving uh, a worldwide pandemic. It's just about surviving in the business. Um, and uh, we wrote it because of our, both of our experiences, where we realised the hardest bit is that transition from day job to being a full-time writer. Uh, and we kind of focus on on that. So it's not about it's not a, a handbook about how to write a script. Hmm. It, it's about how to be a working writer. Yeah. So it's more looking at networking. It's more looking at what is the one thing that's stopping you? Because a lot of people right now, for instance, just to link it back to that, a lot of people right now, the pandemic probably isn't the thing that's preventing their career from moving forward. It's maybe that the fact that they don't know enough people in the business anyway. So yeah. it doesn't matter about what's happening outside. So we, we're kind of looking at those kind of things, practical advice about pitching, about what a good introduction email looks like, all those kind of things in the UK scriptwriter's survival yeah. handbook. And that was our first book. And then we've yeah. got a second one, which Danny will tell you about. Yeah, it's called uh, Write a Script in 10 Weeks, which is maybe applicable more so now. I'll write a script in 10 days if you want to. Um, and we, we just break down uh, the practicalities of getting a first draft done. And it's based on the Hollywood deadline of getting 10 weeks to write a first draft of a feature film. So we break down the creative and practical methods in order to achieve that. And uh, we touch on TV as well in terms of getting a pilot script done. So it doesn't really matter how long it takes you. It's just more about creating those milestones to uh, keep you productive and get those pages done yeah i'm in fact um james and i are writing a, a sitcom together uh and uh, it's certainly taken less than 10 weeks but it just happens to have been stretched over about a year and a half yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so when, when we actually do get together and talk about it it moves on quite fast and you can hear us writing that show on uh, Soup to Nuts, which is available to our Patreon subscribers. So do go and join us on Patreon if you want to get access to 15 extra episodes of us talking about creating that sitcom and we're making more and adding to it all the time and lots of other stuff going up as well. We're going to leave that one there. Thanks so much to Danny and Tim for joining us. It was brilliant to hear from your uh, experiences. They've got such infectious enthusiasm and they just have a real can-do spirit, which I think is really inspiring. So hopefully uh, that's inspired you too. Thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. Cheerio.